Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Churches from around the world to celebrate the most earth-shaking event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah of Nazareth, the Son of the living God. He was crucified, he was dead, and he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again from the grave. That is good news, and that is why we're here this morning, and that's what we're here to celebrate, and that's what I'm here to talk about. Uh, Today, I want to I begin by reading to you from Luke's gospel, Luke chapter uh, 24. And uh, just to give you a bit of a backstory here, this is the story of the women who went to the tomb uh, early on the Sunday morning, on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, there was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of, of, of Jesus, uh, Joanna, and then there were some other women who were there. Uh, these women, they were all disciples of Jesus. They knew Jesus personally. Their relationship with Jesus was very meaningful. And, and they were there on that fateful Friday. So they didn't just hear the bad news, they saw the bad news. They witnessed all the horrific uh, events of his crucifixion. Um, their hearts were ripped wide open. Their hope was, was stolen from, him, from them. Uh, they saw uh, Joseph of Arimathea put Jesus in the tomb. They noted where the tomb was. And, and as soon as they, they saw Jesus put into the tomb, they raced to their homes and they began to prepare spices and ointments to prepare Jesus' body uh, because they couldn't do it on the Saturday. The Sabbath was coming. Friday was the day of preparation. Saturday was the Sabbath. And so they got it done as quickly as they could. And then on Saturday, the Sabbath came. And it, it was a day of stillness. It was a day of silence. And it was a day of mourning. And then at the crack of dawn on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, they made their way to the tomb with their spices and their ointments. And, and this is where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. I'm going to read it and you can follow along. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Well, this is the word of God. Uh, can we pray together? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, this gospel account that has been preserved uh, in Luke's gospel for us today. Uh, thank you, Lord, that... Uh, your Holy Spirit uh, breathed it into life, and we thank you that your Holy Spirit wants to breathe life into us today even more so. 
And so, God, we just we ask you to teach us, to guide us, to provoke us, to encourage us, wherever we're at, wherever we find ourselves today in our homes. We need you, God. And so we just entrust this, uh, this time of hearing your word together into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's not hard to imagine that the women were perplexed at what they saw. I mean, the tomb was empty. The body was gone. They're probably imagining, you know, what on earth happened. And even more so, what do they do now that the tomb is empty, right? Uh, this was not, not what they needed. They did not need more bad news, but here they found it. Uh, but then two angels appeared, right? And, they, and it says they appeared in dazzling apparel. Now, to be clear, their clothes were dazzling. They were not bedazzling, okay? So they were not wearing glitter jeans, and they didn't have church, uh, church, uh, shirts covered in fancy sequins and gemstones, okay? It literally means that they were lit up. They were gleaming. And as a matter of fact, that Greek word that's used there is used other, in another place in Luke 17 to describe lightning, okay? So they were boom, glowing, and there was something terrifying to behold. And instead of bad news, the angels brought to the women there good news. He is not here. He has risen. He is alive. This is the, the best news ever. And so after being reminded of what Jesus had said to them, they raced home and, and, and began to talk to the apostles, the 11 who were there, and talk, talk to them about everything that happened. But here's the thing. The disciples, the apostles, they weren't buying it. They thought that this was maybe perhaps fake news disinformation that these women were maybe they were delirious or they were hysterical because they were struggling with so much grief whatever it was they weren't willing to believe it they just found it too unbelievable now why is that well simple fact dead people stay dead death kills 100% of people 100% of the time so when you hear about somebody rising up from the dead of course it seems just too unbelievable and yet, there was one disciple who was curious. One disciple who asked, well, what if? One disciple who, who thought, well, maybe if there's even a glimmer of hope, maybe even just a slim possibility that he was willing to chase it down. And of course, that one disciple was Peter, and he did chase it down. It says that he ran towards the tomb. Now, we read from other Gospels that uh, it, Peter wasn't alone when he ran to the tomb. In fact, John the Beloved, John the other uh, apostle, ran with Peter to the tomb. Which makes sense, because, I mean, Peter and John, they're among Jesus' closest disciples. Uh, and so Peter raced to the tomb. And when Peter arrived, he saw the empty tomb. He looked inside. He saw that Jesus' grave clothes were still there. And then it says that he went away marveling at what he saw. Marveling. That's an interesting word, marveling. And in some of your other translations today, it says that he was, he was wondering at what he saw. So, so Peter wasn't yet a believer, he was a wanderer. You see, he knew something had happened. He just didn't know exactly what it was. He may have remembered Jesus' words of what could have happened, but he still didn't know. He, he wondered. You see, Peter was, was in what, what some white people would call a liminal space. Uh, liminal, this, this word liminal comes from the Latin word limen. It means, it means threshold. It's a place of entering. It's a, it's a place of beginning. It's like a door is a threshold from one room into another. So a liminal space, it's a place of transition. It's a place of waiting. It's a place of wondering. 
And this is where Peter found himself. So the other disciples, they were quick to dismiss this. This is, you know, bad news or this is fake news. But, but not Peter. Peter was beginning to wonder, maybe this was good news. Now, some of you today, you might find yourself in that liminal space. Maybe, maybe the circumstances of these past weeks have suddenly awoken something inside of you, and you find yourself in a place of wondering. Some of you, you might find that something's just kind of stirring inside of you, and you just can't explain what it is. Maybe you're, you're watching today, and, and you're just starting to ask a lot of questions. Questions that, because of your past, you've just kind of tucked away into the corner and thought, oh, maybe I'll deal with them later, or maybe I'll never have to ask them. Important life questions, like, who am I? Why am I here? Ultimately, where am I going? These kinds of questions. And so you're finding yourself moving maybe into this, this liminal space. Now, as, as it turns out, Peter wouldn't stay in this liminal space forever. Eventually, he would cross the threshold into belief and into surrender. Now, what happened to Peter? What, what helped him to cross that threshold? Well, ultimately, Peter would have an encounter with Jesus, the living, resurrected God, a face-to-face -face encounter. And when that happened, everything changed. Now, maybe you're here today then, and, and, and you're wondering, you know, why is the resurrection such good news for the world? Or maybe you're just here today, and you're just like saying, I just need some good news today. I'm hoping we're going to get there together. And I, and I want to guide us towards that destination. And so what I'm hoping today for the rest of this chance, uh, this talk that we have together, is just to answer two questions together to help us get towards this good news. And the first question is this, is why do we believe in the resurrection? And the second question is like it, is why is the resurrection good news for us? So I want to begin by answering that first question. Why believe in the resurrection? And, and I think actually this is, a, this is a really important question. In fact, it is the central question of the Christian faith. I mean, because was Jesus really resurrected from the dead? Because if he wasn't, well, the, the answer to that question has everything to do with what we believe. So some people would say, well, maybe Jesus was just a legend. Or others would say, well, it was a mass hallucination, you know, that uh, a number of his disciples who were, you know, a bunch of nutballs kind of believed in. And some of the others would say, well, it was a conspiracy of his disciples that just kind of, just kind of hid the body, whatever it is. I mean, there are lots of alternative theories, but I, I want to, I'm hoping in a very short amount of time, just to touch on some of the key reasons about why it's reasonable to believe in the resurrection. And you will find it if you follow the evidence where it leads. So let's consider four reasons together. The, two, the first two of them are really, really quick. Here's the first reason. Number one is the predictions of Jesus. You know, the angels, when they appeared to the women, they weren't lying, right? Jesus had very clearly explained to his disciples that he would be crucified and rise again on the third day. For example, if you, if you go back earlier in Luke's gospel, there were two instances where Jesus was very explicit that he would be crucified and he would rise again on the third day. So the women uh, needed to be reminded of this, not because they were in remedial discipleship. They needed to be reminded of this probably because they just found it unbelievable, right? They had seen the horrific death. They had seen the finality of it. They'd seen him wrapped in claws and placed inside of a tomb. So that's why the angels had to remind them again, this is what Jesus actually said to you. So what this means is that the Jesus followers didn't invent the resurrection long after Jesus', Jesus death, just in sort of to start a, a new movement, okay? Jesus told them, this is what's going to happen well in advance. So that's one reason. Here's another reason, another one, really quickly, is the Old Testament prophecies. 
You know, nearly 700 years prior to Christ's death, the prophet Isaiah anticipated the coming of the suffering servant. So if you read Isaiah 53, for example, it predicted that Jesus would be born into humble circumstances, he would live a simple life, he would die a brutal death, and that he would rise again from the grave. And there are other parts of the Old Testament, for example, that would, uh, would foreshadow Christ's resurrection as well. Again, so, so what happened to Jesus, this is no surprise ending. This was, in fact, foreshadowed hundreds of years prior to the time of Jesus. Here's a third reason. This one's quite a bit longer is the eyewitness accounts. Very, very important. You know, as it turns out, Jesus appeared in bodily resurrected form uh, to many, many people. So the women at the tomb, for example, they, they had not yet seen the resurrected Jesus in Luke's account that we looked at today, uh, but they heard the angelic announcement, right? They saw the empty tomb, but they hadn't yet seen the resurrected Jesus. Now, as it turns out, and this is incredible, is that those women some of them were the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection. You don't find it in Luke's Gospels, but it's actually explored in some of the other Gospels. So Jesus didn't first appear to the apostles, to the eleven. Jesus first appeared to these women. And this was remarkable, remarkable, when you consider the social context of that day. You see, in that culture, women had a very low social status, okay? Their testimony was not treated as valid. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even admissible in court, okay? So they, they, this actually increases the plausibility of their story. And you might ask, well, why is that? Well, if the Bible's authors were trying to fabricate a story about the resurrection, they would not have used women as their first eyewitnesses. Because women in that day, they would have actually been struck from the record, okay, as witnesses, because they would have undermined the credibility of the resurrection. So the question is, well, why did the Gospels then keep them in the story? Well, first of all, and I love this, is because all people are equal at the foot of the cross. And all people are equal in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what your gender, uh, gender is, doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, it doesn't matter what your social status is, it does not matter. All people are equal in the kingdom of God. So that's the first reason. But the second reason is this. They saw what they saw. See, the Gospels, if you read them, particularly Luke's Gospel, you go back and read the beginning of Luke's Gospel, the Gospels are simply trying to present true eyewitness accounts of what actually happened in the life of Jesus. And so the most reasonable explanation is that the women really did witness the resurrection, okay? The, they were so moved by what they experienced that they went and they told everyone. And so the word spread around about this. So to be able to, to pull them actually from like the account would have totally wrecked the credibility of the gospel account. They saw what they saw and they spread the story. That's remarkable when you consider the social context of that day. But here's the thing is the women weren't the only eyewitnesses. If you keep reading in Luke's gospel, you discover that uh, Jesus appeared also to Peter. He appeared to the two men on the road to Emmaus. And then he came into a room and he appeared to all of the other disciples as well. In fact, the apostle Paul gives a whole list of people who saw the resurrected Jesus, eyewitness accounts. Let, let me just read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's what Paul writes. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also relieved, uh, received, 
that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. That's important though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Now, you'll notice in this text that Paul actually uses real names here. That's really important. And the reason why Paul is doing that is, is he's, he's doing it so that anyone can check out what Paul's actually saying is true. See, most of these witnesses, they were, they were still alive at the time of this writing. Uh, this was a public letter, so this would have been written to the church in Corinth. It would have been read publicly. And with those names being shouted out, that means that you could go and talk to Cephas. You could go and talk to somebody else. You could talk to one of those 500 witnesses and verify, okay, did that really, really happen? It was done on purpose. So Paul's saying, listen, if you got any questions, any of you have any questions about this, here's a list of the eyewitnesses that you can go and speak to. Well, that's the third reason is the eyewitness accounts. What about the fourth reason? Here it is. It's the revolutionized lives. One of the strongest pieces of evidence for the resurrection is what it actually did in the lives of the early disciples. I mean, the resurrection basically turns cowards into courageous heroes. You think about the disciples, early disciples in the garden, right? In the garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus gets arrested, what did they all, they all took off, they fled. Simon Peter rejected Jesus three times, right? But after the resurrection, something happened, and they turned and became these bold proclaimers of the gospel. I mean, Peter is the perfect example. Like I said, he, he denied Jesus three times, and yet on the day of Pentecost, you know, when the stakes were high, he stood up in front of everybody and boldly proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And then several days later, he stood up to the Sanhedrin. I mean, this is the most powerful religious body in his day. He stood up to them and boldly proclaimed the resurrection, refused to not talk about the resurrection. And the Sanhedrin who were watching him took note and they wondered about his boldness. What happened between the empty tomb and the day of Pentecost? Jesus, uh, Peter met the resurrected Jesus. He crossed the threshold from wonder to belief. And he had an undeniable encounter that changed his life. But you know, Peter's wasn't the only life that was revolutionized by the resurrection. I mean, there were hundreds of followers uh, of Jesus who were filled with boldness. Because it was true, they could no longer live their lives the way that they had lived before. So this, this couldn't have been just a, a made-up story of those early witnesses. Because here's the thing, is, is they had nothing to gain from it. They didn't gain power or fame or money or, or popularity. In fact, they lost everything. They were mocked. They were beaten. They were tortured, disenfranchised. Some of them were killed for their convictions. You know, and when I consider their sacrifice, when I think about all of those early disciples, those early witnesses uh, who died for what they believe, I have to ask this question. Would I ultimately be willing to die for a lie? I think there's a question for each and every one of us. Would you be willing to die for a lie? Like Blaise Pascal once said, he says, I believe those witnesses that get their throats cut. You know, another early disciple that's worth considering is, is, is James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. And he wasn't one of the original disciples. He wasn't part of that group. He actually became a follower of Jesus much later after the resurrection. The question is, what changed James' mind? 
I mean, he grew up with Jesus. He, he would have witnessed every aspect of Jesus' life, right? Think about that for a moment. What would it take for your brother to say that you are the Son of God? What would it take? I mean, I, I have four older brothers. I have two older sisters. Uh, they saw me wet the bed, crash my bike, get fired from my first paper rope. They saw me blow up my hand with gunpowder, throw up from drinking too much at a party. I mean, it would take something pretty darn incredible for my siblings to say, yep, Rob is the son of God. It would take, well, it would take a resurrection. That's what it would require. Then, of course, there's Paul, right, the murderous persecutor of the church who suddenly became a devout follower of Jesus, going to the ends of the earth, boldly proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What changed his mind? You see, the, the resurrected Jesus changed and revolutionized lives, and the resurrected Jesus continues to revolutionize lives even today. You know, today in the world, there are over 2 billion people who, are, uh, who say that they are followers of Jesus Christ. This is four times as many as 100 years ago. You've got to think about all of the many lives who have been transformed and changed by their experience of the resurrected Jesus. And I'm one of those people. You know, just because I'm a pastor today and I'm a Christ follower today doesn't mean I always had been one. Trust me, I, I did not come out of the womb with a Bible in my hand proclaiming the gospel. That, that's a terrible image, uh, but moistly speaking. But uh, when I met Christ, I was lost, I was broken, but he rescued me. He changed my life. Now, these reasons, I mean, taken together, they provide compelling evidence for the resurrection. And, and you know, I wish we had more time to dive deeper into them. We don't have that time. I'd love to resource you if you're looking for more resources about this. There's lots of great stuff out there. Tim Keller's Reason for God is a great book. I recommend that to you. But, but here's the thing. These reasons taken together provide compelling evidence for the resurrection. And the Bible encourages us. It says, follow the evidence ultimately where it leads. And I hope that as you follow the evidence, you will discover the risen Jesus Christ yourself. Well, what about that second question? Well, the second question is, why is the resurrection good news? See, for the believer in Christ, the resurrection means everything. But for the believer in Christ, the resurrection changes everything. And so I want to share with you this morning three reasons why it's good news. I want to talk about three implications of the resurrection. Here's the first one. If Jesus has been raised from the dead, then Jesus was who he said he was. See, here's the thing. If Jesus was not raised, then Jesus was just another great teacher who died a tragic death. Or even worse, Jesus was either a liar or he was a lunatic. See, Jesus actually claimed during his life that he was the son of God. We see, we, we see this is the reason, part of the reason why people wanted to crucify him. Uh, let me give you an example. John chapter 5 and verse 18. Jesus uh, says this. It says this. Uh, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So was Jesus a liar? Was Jesus a lunatic or was Jesus Lord of all? Well, even after they killed him and Jesus gave up and surrendered his own life, the grave could not hold him. He rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he proved that he was, in fact, the son of God. At Romans chapter 1 and verse 4, it says this. And through who through the spirit of uh, holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So the Father raised Jesus from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit, and this proved, this demonstrated that Jesus was the Son of God. And so the resurrection shows that Jesus wasn't a liar, he wasn't a lunatic, that Jesus was in fact Lord of all. (coughs) If Jesus is the risen, resurrected Son of God, then the implications of this truth are far-reaching. It means that Jesus has all power, he has all authority, It means that Jesus is the only one who is worthy of all of our praise, of all of our affection, of our greatest love. If Jesus is the Lord of all, we have no other recourse but to fall on our knees before him and say, command me. Command me. If Jesus is not Lord of all, Jesus is not Lord of all at all. So this is a huge implication. If Jesus has been raised from the dead, then Jesus was who he said he was. Here's the second implication. If Jesus has been raised from the dead, then we can face death with confidence. See, we we all share this one great enemy. In in fact, we spend our entire lives trying to fight off this enemy. It's why we exercise and we take vitamins. It's why we eat healthy food. It's why there is a shortage of face masks and respirators and hand sanitizers in the world today. We are all fighting to stay alive. The great uh, great enemy of all humanity is, in fact, death. But Christ's resurrection gives us confidence in the face of death. It is the sure guarantee that on the cross, Jesus defeated the power of sin and death and the powers of evil. And so when Jesus cried out on the cross and he says, it is finished, it means that it was in fact finished. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. He says this, he says, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So because Jesus is raised, we also will be raised. And how do we know this? Because Jesus promised, he says, you know, whoever believes in him will receive his resurrection life. We read about this in John chapter 11. Jesus says this, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, Yet he shall live. Isn't that good news? And and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So when we surrender our lives to Christ, he gives us his life. He forgives us. He cleanses us. And we receive his abundant, eternal life within us. That's good news. So so what this means then, friends, is is that we can have assurance and we can have peace in the face of death. We know that if our bodies die now, we will go to be with the Lord. So Jesus promises for us life after death. But even more than that, Jesus promises for us life after life after death. As believers in Christ, we have this hope, this eternal hope in in, in the future resurrection. When Christ returns, he will judge the living and he will judge the dead and we will receive resurrected bodies, perfect bodies, powerful bodies, resurrected bodies just like Jesus' resurrected bodies. And so for those of us who are in Christ, there is no need to fear death. We are simply stepping into the next story of our lives. Now, I have to imagine uh, this morning that some of you who are joining with us online, 
uh, you're fearful of death. And, and we, we don't like to talk about death. The conversation about death makes us very uncomfortable. I realize that. But I'm sure in the quietness of your room or in those still moments, you do think about it. I think in our current crisis, we've never felt closer to death than we have before. I think we've realized that we're all vulnerable, that none of us are, in fact, bulletproof. And I think for many of us, the idea of dying just seems very, very terrifying. I can get that. I get that. I can understand that. And so I have to ask you this morning, have you received Christ into your life through faith? Do you have assurance and peace in the face of death? And I want to share with you this morning that Jesus wants to give that to you. This is why Jesus died. This is why Jesus rose again. Jesus died to come and, and, and restore all things to himself. And that includes you. Jesus invites you to receive his gift of eternal life through his death and through his resurrection. He invites you to surrender to him. He invites you to put your faith and trust completely in him and receive his gift of salvation and of life. I want to give you that opportunity today to, to receive that. And I'm going to do it at the end of the gathering. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to talk about the final implication uh, today. Here's the third implication. If Jesus has been raised from the dead, then we can receive Christ's life. See, Easter, it's about Christ's resurrection. But it's also about Christ's resurrection inside of us. This is not just a theory. This is not just an idea. This is something that's deeply personal and meaningful for followers of Jesus. John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus said this. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, when, when you receive Christ into your life, a powerful supernatural event takes place. You cross over from death to life. You are set free from the power of sin and death, okay? It, it's what theologians call regeneration. You are born again. Something comes alive inside of you, and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And Paul talks about this more in, in Romans chapter 8, and here's what he says. He says, if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, uh, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Christ's resurrection power awakens in you, awakens life in you through his Holy Spirit. And this resurrection power, it's, I mean, it's, it's transformative. You know, I, over the years, I, I continue to marvel of how Christ's life changes people who surrender to it. I mean, I, I've seen addicts get clean and sober. I've seen cowards become heroes. Deadbeats become world changers. Skeptics become fearless defenders of the faith. Uh, greedy misers become generous givers. I've seen bitty, bitter, angry souls become tenderhearted and, and, and become compassionate. I've seen broken lives and broken marriages get mended and transformed into these beautiful expressions of Jesus and his bride. It should be no surprise to us what will happen when we surrender our lives to Christ and we receive his life inside of us. Because the same very power that raised Jesus up from the dead lives inside us as well. Easter is about Christ's resurrection, but Easter is also about our resurrection in Christ. 
And, and I wonder today how many of you who, who, are, who are joining with us, you need Christ's resurrection life and power in you today. Um, you need to trust him today. And you need to, him to help you. Maybe it's with your addiction. Maybe it's with your fears. Maybe it's with your pain. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's your habits. I mean, I have to ask you the question, do you need a resurrection today? Christ is willing to give you that if you will surrender to him and say, Jesus, Jesus, I cannot do this by myself. I need your resurrection power and your resurrection life inside of me today. Friends, the resurrection is good news for us. It reveals that Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God and the Lord of all. It enables us to face death with confidence, and it fills us with new life through Christ's Holy Spirit. Now, I have to wonder today if there are some of you who are at that threshold of faith. You find yourself in that liminal space, and you're saying today, I need, I need hope, I need new life, I need a resurrection. I need to begin again. Something's been stirring inside of you. You're, you're ready to make the change. Only the thing of it, you can't make that change on your own. You need Christ to bring you to life. I, I want to help you to do that today. I want to invite you to pray with me. And uh, this could be a day of a new beginning for you. And I want to give you a chance and an opportunity to receive Christ's free gift of eternal life. So wherever you are, whether you're at home, uh, whether you're at work or... or um, in your living room or in your kitchen, I just want to take a moment and invite you to pray with me. Can we pray together? Let's pray. <clears throat> Maybe as you're there and you're, you're in that liminal space, you want to make this decision to receive Christ into your life in the face of death, and you want to receive his power in you. It's very easy to do. Um, what's most important is not so much what you say, but the posture of your heart in humility coming before God. But you might pray something like this, and you can pray it wherever you're at right now. And you say, Jesus, I believe you are the resurrected Son of God. Forgive me for all of my sins. Cleanse me and make me new again. I receive your free gift of salvation on the cross. Thank you for dying for me. I surrender my entire life to you. Come and live inside of me and make me new. Thank you for forgiving me. Give me the power I need to live without fear and to walk in obedience before you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let me just pray for all of you as well who maybe just need today uh, the resurrection life within you. Uh, I pray for all of those who are joining with us at home today. God, would you just give them life just as you promised, as they depend on you, as they lean on you, as they surrender to you. 
And God, we thank you that you are not dead, but you are very much alive and that we can worship you with confidence today. We want to just end this, this morning, Lord, by praising you for who you are and for all that you've done, our resurrected King. We thank you. We thank you. You are risen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.